Well, welcome to Back to Church Sunday. This is actually a national holiday that the church world made up to try to get people to come back to church um, and, and just get us refocused during this pandemic or epidemic or whatever you want to call it. And, and so we just thought we'd do something fun. You know, it's okay to laugh and have fun in church. Amen? Awesome. I want to thank everybody for coming today. I want to thank everybody that's watching us online right now and going to listen to our podcast. Thank you for watching and listening and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. Hey, before we get into part two of our series, Reason to Run, I got a couple quick uh, announcements this morning. Two things uh, that you can be looking forward to this week as we are still in our 10 days of prayer and fasting as we, we pray for the seven mountains of influence in, in our country, as we believe that God is going to begin to move mountains in our country over different influences, right? Uh, Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday was amazing. We had an upper room prayer session, and man, we had we packed out three rooms. It was awesome. The presence of God was there. I want to encourage you again this Wednesday, 7 o'clock to 830 uh, man, come pray with us. Uh, it, it's an awesome time. And then this Friday, uh, we're closing out the, the, the season of prayer and fasting uh, with a special prayer service from seven to nine. We're going to have, it's going to be in here. We're going to have seven different uh, stations set up that represent the seven mountains of influence. Uh, it's going to be kids-friendly. Uh, if you bring your kids, they'll get a passport when they come in, and, and they'll get a stamp at each mountain when they go to. It's just an awesome time to just pray over. Now, you don't have to stay for two hours. You can stay for 15 or 20 minutes, but we just want to give you that time period from seven to nine as we get together as a church, and we just really close out the, the season of prayer and fasting strong, uh, just with a pre uh, special prayer service. So that, that's Friday night from 7 to 9. I want to encourage everybody to come out uh, and close out our time of prayer and fasting. All right. You guys ready for the word today? Come on. Uh, last week, we kicked off a new series called Reason to Run. Reason to Run. Mark Twain said, the greatest day of our lives is the day that we're born. The second greatest day is the day that we realize why we were born. And so we're talking about a series about purpose. And, and we didn't even get to the, to the details last week because we were talking. We can't discover who God has created us to be without being set free. We, man, if we're all tied up in, 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 in sin and entangled in sin and weighed down by our past, we, we can't run the race that God has called us to run. And I love the analogy the Apostle Paul uses as our relationship with God as running a race. We are running a race with him. And so part two today, part two, the title of the message is, Who is Pacing Your Race? Who is Pacing Your Race? Come on, let's pray and we'll get into God's word today. Father, I thank you for this moment. Jesus, I thank you for every person that's in this room today, God that you've called them by name, that they're not here on accident, but you've placed them here on purpose to hear this message, God. So God, open our hearts, open our minds this morning. Let this be your moment today. God, we love you, we glorify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 
and amen. When I think about pace, when I think about pace, I think about two things. I think about a pace car. That's really the first thing that I think about is a pace car. And one of the things that, that a pace car does, and, and I got this off of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s official website, so you know it's legit, okay? And, uh, and so uh, what he says is one of the reasons why the, they have a pace car is it inserts itself when there's bad weather or an accident and it slows everybody down until the accident's removed or the bad weather has passed. It slows everybody down so, so nobody gets hurt. So, so there's not more accidents happening. And the other uh, thing that I think about when I, when I think about pace, I think about a pace setter in a, in, in a running race, or sometimes they call them rabbits. And they're actually hired by another runner to set the pace when they're trying to break a world record. So they'll hire pace setters, and basically they'll run at the world record speed. They run about half of the race, and then you'll see them drop out, right? And so what they're doing is they're making sure that the runner who's trying to break the world record is staying on pace. And I think about this related to how God is running the race with us. He's trying to pace our lives, right? There's a reason why, there's a reason why one of the Ten Commandments is to keep the Sabbath day holy. We do, in America, we do a really poor job of this. We do a really poor job of making sure that we're saving one day and we're resting, we're keeping a day holy. I truly feel like that this, this country isn't going to see the revival, isn't going to see the move of God until we learn how to Sabbath, until we learn how to slow down. Now, some of us run seven days a week, and we don't take any time. And so when God is pacing our lives, there are times where God says, no, 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 you need to slow down because you're going to burn out. Remember, God is playing the long game with our lives. We're, we're running a marathon with them, not a 40-yard dash. And so there are times and seasons where God says, no, you need to slow down. You're going to burn out. You're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt other people if you keep running at this pace. And then there's, there's times in our lives where God's like, you're stuck. You're, you're not moving. You're you're lazy. You're, you're, you're actually being complacent right now with your relationship with me. I need you to get up. I need you to move forward. I, I, I need you to start stepping into the call and the purpose that I've placed upon your, your life. You're, you're wasting time by, by, by staying stuck in doubt and insecurity. Man, I've called you by name. You need to, get, you need to pick up the pace. You need to go because God has things in store for our lives. And if we're being lazy and being complacent in our relationship with him, we're going to miss opportunities that God has in store for our lives. So during the lockdown, during the lockdown, I was, uh, was angry a lot, like many of you, and frustrated and uh, trying to pick up new hobbies, right? And uh, I had picked up a new hobby of riding bikes, and I, I got a bike, and uh, one day on a Sunday, I was just frustrated of doing online church. I was just, I was just angry. And so I got on my bike, I rode my bike, and, and I just complained to God for like 45 minutes. And, uh, and, and 
finally, he was like, are you, are you done? Are you done? Do, do you want to have a conversation? And I'm like, okay, sure. And he asked me this question, and, and, and it's a question that, um, that I really want you to allow to settle in your heart. He asked me this question. He said, Andrew, are you with me? Are you with me? Because it's a perspective change. Because I think so many of us spend so much time asking God, God, please show up. God, please be with me. God, please intercede in this situation. God, please come and and help me. When the reality is, is that God is already here. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. He's already here. Let me show you. Matthew 1, 21 through 23. And she, Mary, will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin who will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Isaiah wrote this some 700 years before it happened. God is with us. God God is with you today. That's not the problem. The problem is, are we with God? So there's three places in Scripture where this Emmanuel is used. And it's so interesting that uh, it's used in Matthew and then Isaiah passage where he prophesies. But it's also used in this one other passage. And this is what happens when we understand that God is with us. Us. Now, let me give you some quick context. The Assyrian army, who were just ruthless killers. I mean, they trained their young to hold a sword and just battle from a very young age. And they were going up against the Israelites, who were not warriors, okay? And this is what the Lord says to Isaiah, Isaiah 8:10. Call your councils of war, but they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed. Why? For God is with us. Listen, man, we're we're fighting a real enemy. His name's the devil, okay? He's got demonic spirits that are coming against our lives. He's developed a strategy against our lives to try to hold us down, to, to keep us in prison of sin and doubt and insecurity. Right, right, right. But but what does the Lord said? The Lord said, if you remember that I'm with you. Satan has no power over you. He can develop all the strategies he wants, but they will be worthless when you remember that I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter what you're going through, I am there with you. Amos 3.3. I just love this passage so much. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? I just love it. It's just like, it's great. Like, like, can two people walk together? Now, some of you, during the pandemic, you started to walk, right? And now, now some of you, you, you spouses, right? You were like, okay, let's take a walk. You go that way, and I'm going this way. You know what I'm saying? We'll eventually meet. That's not walking together, right? Like, 
you have to agree. If you're on a walk, you have to agree to walk next to them and then, and, and then that you're going to go whatever destination that they're going to go to. You, you have to agree. And my question for us today, are we agreeing on the direction that God is trying to lead us? Are we in true agreement with him in every area of our life? Are we in step with God? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to pace our lives, to slow us down when we need to be slowed down, but kick our butt when we're being lazy and complacent? We have to be in agreement with the Lord. So why should we, why should we let God pace our lives? Why, why should we let God pace our lives? Jeremiah 1.5, this is what the Lord speaks to the prophet Jeremiah. He says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, listen, there are just some things in life, because some of you are like, before? Yeah, before. Like before you were, were even, you know, conceived, even before we're conceived, God, God has a plan. God, God has a purpose for our life before we're born. And, and some of you are just like, I can't even process that in my brain. Like, how does he do it? Like, do, you know, like, are people fully born in heaven? And then there's, listen, there are just some things, okay, there's just some things in scripture. There's just some things with God that fall under the God category. And this is one of them. It's just, it's just God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to worship a God. I don't want to serve a God, give my whole life to a God that I can fully understand everything that he's doing. I want to serve a God. I want to worship a God that just, man, puts me in awe. I want to worship a God that, that I'm just overwhelmed with his power and his majesty and his might and his ways and his intelligence. And there's just some things in life that fall in the God category where we just have to have faith. That before, before we're even conceived, is a purpose and a plan and a reason for us to exist. Now I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take a moment, okay, to just sidetrack for a moment. Because we're gonna talk about this in the months to come, because I feel like it's important. As Christians, we believe that God has created a purpose before we're conceived in our mother's womb. So what does that mean? That means that every single abortion that takes place, somebody is killing the purpose and the plan that God designed for that child. Every single one. It doesn't matter how that baby's conceived. Every single one. We're killing the purpose and the plan that God had for that, that person. It has a plan for us before. Could you imagine, could you imagine if you could see your child's life from baby 
I don't know if you've ever seen those, those videos where they take the, the baby and then they fast forward like 70 years and you, you can see it like in, in, in a minute and a person goes from zero to 70 and in, in, in a couple of minutes you can see their whole life flash before their eyes. Could you imagine that happening before you had a child and you saw their whole life? Some of you who have adult children today, you've, you've seen that, you've seen their whole life. Could you imagine if God showed us that, showed us that, that to every single person that was thinking about aborting their child, listen, there would be no more abortions. Now, the other reason why we're talking about this, and we're gonna, we're, and I hate that this this issue has been politicized. Okay, it's not a, a it's not a political issue. It's a human rights issue, okay? It's not, it's not a political issue. It's not to be used whether to vote, you know, or Democrat or Republican. It's a human rights issue. And the reason why we need to talk about it as a church is because statistics say that there's, there's several women in this room or watching online that have had abortion. And if we don't talk about this issue in our church, how can people get healing from it? Listen, God has forgiven you of that abortion. God has forgiven you. He's bigger than all of our sins. And my heart, my heart as a pastor is I want us to get healed from all of that. Because some of you, you've been entangled by that. That one mistake that you made 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you've been weighed down by it. And you've never been able to get free. And I want you to get free today. I want you to get free from everything. So when does God give us purpose? He gives us purpose before. He gives us purpose before. This is why we want God to pace us because he, he man, even before we're born, he gives us a reason to run. Luke 23, 33 through 40, 34. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Who doesn't know what they're doing? Judas? Yes. Peter? Yes. The soldiers who are gambling for Jesus' clothes? The soldiers that beat him and, and, and shoved a crown of thorns on, uh, on top of his head? Yes. You and me, when we make stupid decisions? Yes. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We don't know what we're doing. Listen, sin has a ripple effect that we don't understand. Sin has a ripple effect that we don't understand. Listen, sin is powerful. And it has a ripple effect. Many times we're like, no, 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 this just affects me. It just, just affects my life. That is never true. Sin has a ripple effect. You, you look at people who take their own lives, that, 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 that take their own lives. They think, well, I'm just trying to end the pain. And so I'll just end the pain by taking my own life but it doesn't end the pain, right? It just transfers the pain to the people around them, the people that love them and cared for them. 
Sin always has a ripple effect. That's why Jesus is saying on the cross, he's like, Father, forgive them because they really don't know what they're doing. The first time that you looked at pornography, and all of a sudden, years later, you've been trapped in it, and it's ruined relationships, maybe a marriage. It's distorted the way you, you, you look at the opposite sex. It's rerouted your brain and the way you process information. If you go back, you could see the ripple effects that that one decision would have. It's that sip of alcohol that you had as a teenager and all of a sudden turned into a full-blown alcoholism and you're in and out of rehab and you're getting DUIs and you're, you're, you're in jail and you're going, you're, if you could just go back that, that one innocent sip of alcohol that you thought, oh, this, this won't hurt anybody. I'm just trying to have fun. And 20 years later, you're still struggling with that one sip of alcohol. Sin has a ripple effect. That one innocent email that you send to your coworker, or we're just talking, that turns into a full-blown physical affair and ruins your marriage, destroys your kids. Sin has a ripple effect. As Jesus is on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand this, this ripple effect that sin has, that, it, that it's just not about us, but it's about all the people that are around us. I grew up uh, in, in a small farm town in upstate New York. And uh, so small that we had one school from seventh grade to twelfth grade, Okay. And why this was such a big deal is because in gym class, as a 7th grader, you can be in gym class with a 12th grader, okay? Now, bullying was a thing, but it wasn't really a thing in the 90s, okay? Like, I think all the teachers knew that there was bullying, the principals knew there, but it was just like, I think they had more of the thought of like, yeah, it's part of school, deal with it. And so as a seventh grader, okay, having gym class with 12th graders and we're playing games like dodgeball. And listen, in soccer, let me tell you, nobody knew the rules of soccer and it was literally more like rugby. Like I got blindside hit by so many kids, like And there was this one kid, I even remember his name. I remember his name was Craig. I'm not going to, I remember his last name. This is just how much, like, he, he, he impressed on my life, okay? I still remember his name. His name was Craig. He was five foot four, okay? And uh, just, just, he was built like a bowling ball. Like, he's just like massive, like, and, and he had the short man complex, okay? I mean, he just had it. And he would just always pick on everybody before you could say anything to him. And he was a bully. Like, like he was a, a bad bully. And he, I mean, he would, I mean, he would knock my, my books out of my hand. He would take kids' book bags and just throw them down the hall. I mean, he was just, he was just mean. He was a mean kid. And he was mean to every, 
body, not just uh, physically, but also with his words and, and, and emotionally. And I remember this, there was this one kid that he just had it out for. He just had it out for this one kid, and he just let him have it every single day. He was just on him, and, and just physically, just, just, you know, emotionally, and just every day he was just on this kid, tearing him down. And one day, one night, this kid took his dad's shotgun and took his own life. And I just remember Craig after that moment. It's just, there's just some moments in life that are just, they're just seared into your mind. There's, there's they're polarizing in your, your life. And, and Craig was not the same after that. He actually never talked. If Craig knew that his bullying would have led to this kid's suicide, taking his own life, he would have never been a bully. But we don't, listen, this is what Jesus is saying on the cross. He's saying, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand the ripple effect that their sin has. I think that's why it's so great that God, when we choose to agree with God and let him pace our lives, he can see what's ahead. He can see when we need to slow down. He can see when he wants to speed us up. I think the best example in the Bible is the example of Adam and Eve. If they knew what was going to really happen when they took a bite of that fruit, if they really knew everything was going to change, I think if Eve would have known just how terrible labor was, she would have choked that snake out. She'd don't talk to me, I'll choke you out. Make me feel like that. <laughs> Father, forgive them. They don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing to ourselves, to our each other, to our family, to our to our children. That's why it's it's so important to let God pace our lives to run with God. Because, man, so many times we get this perspective of like, God, you're, you're supposed to be my genie in a bottle. And, and I'm supposed to, you know, pray to you three times and you're supposed to answer my prayer. And, and, or or we, we create some type of cosmic vending machine. And this is who God is. And, and I put a few prayers in and he's supposed to answer them in a specific way. And when he doesn't, I don't like him anymore. Like that is not God. He sits on a throne. He's, he's all powerful. He's almighty. And he wants us to run with him. He wants to pace our lives. So why do we want God pacing our race? Why, why do we want God pacing our race? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We're going to talk about this in more detail next week. God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Not when you read through the, the whole Bible. Not when you started to pray every single day. Not 
Not when you had perfect church attendance. No, no, no. God saved us by his grace the moment we believed. The moment that we said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came inside of us and God was with us the moment that we said yes. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Just leave this passage up for a moment. We are God's masterpiece. You're like me? Me, I'm God's master pastor to you. No, 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 no. He looks at you and he says, you're my masterpiece. But, but look what I've done in the past. Look at all these things that I said. No, 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 no. You're forgiven. Some of you need to know today that you are forgiven by his grace. That he looks at you every day and he sees a masterpiece. He sees the greatest thing that he's made on planet earth. It's you. We're the only thing that was created in the image of God. And when he looks at us, and because Jesus is in us, he filters past all the garbage, all the failures, all the sin, and he sees the masterpiece in us. Why do I want God pacing my race? Because he sees me as a masterpiece. Because he had a plan for my life even before I was conceived in my mother's womb. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. He's given me a new life so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If, if we could just see the good things that God has in store for our lives. If we could just see the, the goodness the, the good things that, that, man, if we just uh, began to agree with God and, and align ourselves up with Scripture and say, okay, God, I'm going to let you pace my race. Uh, I'm going to let you have control. And, and when I need to slow down, I'm going to let you slow me down. When I need a, a kick in the butt, when, when I'm being lazy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you push me forward and get me unstuck. And, because I know at the end of the day, you had a plan for me before I was born. You see me as a masterpiece. You sent your only begotten son to die on the cross for me, who's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You're forgiven from everything. You have a new start with Jesus. He knew us before we were formed. He looks at us and sees a masterpiece. He has good things in store for our lives. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. As we go into our response time, maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never said yes to him. I, I need to make that commitment today. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth and you've just been swallowed up by the stresses and the anxieties of this life and 
Today's the day where you just, you want to make a recommitment to Christ. You want to make a recommitment to following Jesus and allowing him to pace your race today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your personal declaration of faith today. If that's you, just slip up a hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Thank you, God. And I would just ask this morning that we would all help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sin. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will let you pace my race. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing. Thank you so much for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. If you'd like more information, you can email us at passionatelifechurch at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, or share this with a friend. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.